Hello and welcome to the Redheaded Preacher podcast. Sermons preached from the pulpit of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. Hi, I'm Richard Lanford. I'm the Redheaded Preacher. And the message that is in this podcast is from Sunday, February 16th. And it is called Choose Life that higher righteousness. And the the passages are Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20, and also an, an epistle reading and a gospel lesson. And the lector for these passages is Annie Nortz. Annie is one of our uh, chiefs of our annual rummage and bake sale. And uh, she's also on our lector schedule and on our nursery attendant rotation. So she is an important member of our congregation. And uh, this is the Sunday that her turn to lector has arrived. And so we hope you will enjoy listening to her, as well as to this week's sermon, Choose Life, That Higher Righteousness. It is a tad longer, the sermon is, than usual. It's a, t- it's a minute or so, not two minutes, over 20 minutes. So I've been a little briefer. This Sunday was not that. And so uh, hope you'll be able to listen to the whole thing because I wrap it up in the end. And here we go with Annie reading the scriptures. The Old Testament lesson is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. This is part of Moses' long final speech to his people before he dies, and they go into Canaan under the leadership of Joshua. Moses said, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This ends a reading from Deuteronomy. Our epistle lesson is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-9. through 9. That congregation has been squabbling over its leadership, and Paul himself has been criticized. He says that they need more maturity as Christians. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now, you are still not ready, for you are still not of the flesh. For you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not of the flesh, 
and behaving according to, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another says, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. This ends the reading of the epistle. Our worship continues with an anthem. We've been hearing from the Sermon on the Mount, and today we hear more. Our passage is Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. As usual, Jesus has some very challenging things to say. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on your way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin... Tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair black, white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Here ends a reading from the gospel and our scriptures for today's service. May God give us the wisdom we need to think more about what we heard and to grow as people of light and grace. Thanks be to God for this God's holy word. Whether you realize it or not, 
We have made a number of choices before we even got here this morning. Really, you ask? What kind? Well, first, of course, you chose to set your alarm last night. And then you chose to turn it off and get up instead of hitting snooze and then snooze and then snooze. I have always put my alarm clock away from my bed, so I have to get up and out of bed to turn it off. That was a choice, except when I had the upper bunk and when Tommy and I had bunk beds, and then I had to get out of bed to turn off the alarm clock. Otherwise, you're stuck in the upper bunk. Anyway, you chose to come to worship this morning. And uh, some of you uh, to come or to bring your kids to Sunday school. You chose what clothes to put on, how much and what to eat for breakfast, what route to take to get here. And then you chose where to hang your coat or to keep it with you, where to sit in the sanctuary, and whether or not to turn your phone off or down to vibrate. All of these decisions pale in comparison to the big choice Moses puts before us. You know what I'm talking about. It is among the most powerful pair of words in the whole Bible when Moses told the Hebrews, soon to become Israelites, choose life. The people are about to enter the promised land after decades of wandering, of miracles, conflict, and manifestations of the Lord. Before they do, Moses reviews their travels and the commandments of God. His address ends, as we heard Annie read, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days. Patrick Miller, an Old Testament scholar and seminary professor, wrote, In many respects, the whole book, meaning the book of Deuteronomy, in many respects, the whole book reaches its climax in these verses. To enter into a covenant with the Lord is to make a decision. To make a covenant to commit oneself wholly to God and God's way. And that commitment is what the covenant and Deuteronomy are about. Participants, listeners, readers of Deuteronomy then and now are all confronted with the, one of the most explicit calls for a decision that the Bible represents. The most fundamental choice of life lies before those who have come to this boundary line. Well, looking at this during the week, seeing, see, I have set before you this day life and prosperity, death and adversity. My first reaction was, now who would choose death and adversity? Yeah, give me death and adversity. But I kept reading, and we heard how we can void that earlier choice. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, 
but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land. So our choice is obviously a choice for life and prosperity, life and blessings. But you and I, being human, can break our covenant promise and break the first commandment without even realizing it. Every confirmation class I've taught has heard me say that of all of the Ten Commandments, the one that's broken the most is the first one. You might recall, after hearing this passage, when Joshua is sending off the Israelites to possess the land that they have conquered, and he says, Choose this day whom you shall serve, But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. He wanted them to reply. This was a covenant making. And they did reply. And he challenged them on their reply. So there's this rather, not quite believing the Israelites' give and take conversation. But Patrick Miller notes that in Moses' exchange in Deuteronomy, quote, the response of the people is not reported as a past act. It is to be given by those who read and hear these words. So that choice of theirs is a living choice across the millennium. Like Moses, I urge myself, I urge people to daily choose life. And that is, we heard, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. Something I didn't quote, but Miller opined that Moses' preaching here is to the heart. And I would add, from the heart. It is in our hearts, and from our hearts, we choose life and blessing consistently so that we don't go astray. That's a choice which, as New Testament people, leads us to Jesus and Jesus' teaching. You know, it's not hard to choose Jesus, period. When we think of him on the cross, dying for the forgiveness of our sins, the cleansing of our spiritual slate, and not only for us, but for all, and for all and all out of the undeserved grace that God has for the whole world. It's not hard to want to hold fast to him, Just as we sing on Good Friday, the prayer as we lay dying, Close by me, Jesus, stay. His teaching, however, is not always so endearing. It's often challenging, and here in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, we find some of Christ's toughest lessons. All the same, remembering the language from Miller, It is in and to our hearts we remain. We remain, as Jesus teaches you and me in the church, to have a righteousness, this is from last week's gospel, to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, without which Jesus said, we shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. So we commit from the heart to his teaching. But thinking about that exceeding the 
the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, that higher righteousness, how can anyone have that? I mean, how can anyone have a right standing before God that's going to top those scribes and Pharisees? They were the experts. Now, yes, Jesus, they were also his most frequent foils. He clashed with them a lot. But here he lifts them up as good examples for us to rise above. They're not a low bar here. He's setting them up as a high bar because righteousness was all what they were about, at least external righteousness. So how can our choosing life from the heart bring us closer to that higher righteousness? Can you and I obey the Lord and the law better than they? Well, it is from the heart, and that's key. Hearts can be changed. They can mature, they can learn over time. It's just that transformation of the heart and mind which Jesus presents to us as what the kingdom of heaven is looking for and nurtures. What he's asking from us and what the Holy Spirit will help us with. It is the New Testament way to choose life. So let's take a look. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. Well, sounds like a lot of us are in a heap of trouble especially perhaps our nation's capital. But Frederick Bruner, this is interesting, Frederick Bruner translates, if you are angry, as who nurses a grudge against. It's not just an angry outburst, but a nursing of anger. A continual state of being ticked off at someone. Jesus said in the passage that was from last week, we didn't hear it this week, he said he did not come to change the law. He said in last week's gospel reading, he came to fulfill it. He's not saying, forget the commandment that says do not kill. He's saying, while you're not killing, don't hang on to your anger. And don't take it out on other people. And that starts inside. From the heart, in the heart. A writer in the UCC said of this passage, the people know the law and what the law has to say about murder. But there is no specific teaching in the law about anger. The comparison is clear. Murder is serious and so is anger. She went on. There is a need in this first century church to look at relationships and how individuals treat each other. There is a value to life and how we value the lives of others. This, perhaps, is the heart of the matter in the text. End quote. Well, Dr. Tom Long, excuse me, um, I'm gonna, I'll get to Long in a moment. Thinking about anger and trying to not have this anger, as Jesus said, which is part of having the higher righteousness. Uh, in my own morning devotions, it, I was struck by this. How, and so I'm, I'm going to share it with you because I think it speaks to us trying to deal with anger. 
It's, it, um, it starts with a thought for the day and then a brief prayer. I will try to be unruffled no matter what happens. I will try to keep my emotions in check, although others about me are letting theirs go. I will keep calm in the face of disturbance. Keep that deep inner calm through all the experiences of the day. In the rush of work and worry, the deep inner silence is necessary to keep me on an even keel. I must learn to take the calm with me into the most hurried of days. And then the prayer, I pray that I may be still and commune with God. I pray that I may learn patience, humility, and peace. In Sunday School Chapel, we also talked about some other simple ways to let us cool down, take deep breaths, count to ten, things like that are practical ways to get us to step away from the height of anger and nursing it. So, back to Dr. Tom Long. He's a preaching professor. He taught at the seminary I attended uh, after I left. And he expounds on this issue of relationships and how they're being, he thinks, they're being redefined here. He wrote, the Old Testament law condemned murder, but at the heart of the law lies a respect for the life of another, regard for the right of another to be, reverence for another as the creation of God. Jesus goes so far as to say it, and we heard When you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave the gift and go be reconciled first to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. He's telling them, or us, that we are to try to reconcile, to reach out. If something has something against us, to reach out and try to reconcile, that's an offering before God. That's trying to set a relationship right, which comes from the heart, and I think the mind. And we hope the other person cooperates. We know from experience that sometimes they're not interested. But we do what we can do. Are you still with me? If relationship, and more specifically right relationship, is the issue being addressed by Jesus, then what follows in the next three teachings are perhaps more of the same. The problems he brings up are divisive and destructive for the life of the church, perhaps especially the early church as it was getting going. The issues themselves, though, are not the entire problem. It's how the members of the church and the communities around, how they're engaged with each other or not, and allowing some level of unity to be present. The teaching on lust starts with the law on adultery. The teaching on adultery commandment number seven is clear. A man shall not bed the wife of another. Here, too, the teaching of Jesus is reinterpreted around what the relationship should be like based on Torah, but as Long says, it's redefined 
for the higher righteousness. In its newness, we find that Jesus values the role and personhood of women. In the law alone, she was property, to be stolen by another man, as it were. Now, she is someone who would be turned into into a sinner based on the behavior of the guy. Instead of that, she is a person to whom one relates with care and respect and does not submit one to that. You care about the other person. To realize that you're looking at somebody who, at least in your eyes, is beautiful is one thing. To keep looking for your own selfish reasons, or as William Barclay put it, that unnecessary second longing look. That breaks out of that right relationship family. It's disrespectful to a woman in in a heterosexual guy's case. It's disrespectful to a woman not only to make her a thing in one's eyes, hello, dehumanizing aspect of pornography, but to gawk, to make catcalls, to pressure and sexually intimidate or assault. These extra steps are far outside of the righteousness and right relations which Jesus teaches and which is suitable in the kingdom of heaven. When those relations are right in the heart and mind by the Spirit of God, right relations follow. There are two other behaviors that start in our hearts and in our relations with others which follow in the gospel about divorce and about making oaths in court. Divorce in those days we know was much easier to obtain and only men controlled it. Women could be set free from the marriage bond for frivolous reasons and without a ton of trouble. It was easy. The divorce laws and frequency of the era disproportionately hurt women and children. The woman gets divorced if she doesn't have any supporting family that can take her in again. She's on her own and perhaps with the kids. And in that economy, you know, you were, out, you were really out on the street. And so we can understand Jesus forbidding his married male followers from being inconsiderate and callous, putting his wife and kids at real risk for what could be his own selfish benefit. There is a higher righteousness, one that celebrates with right relations and treating one another justly, even if not always feeling love. Paying attention to how going through a process like that in those days hurts the other person. The other one in today's gospel is let let your yes be yes and your no be no. That basically means to me, Jesus is saying, your integrity should not need any verification. Your honesty is to be known by all in the community. Your word is your bond, and no one should second-guess your word. Live in such a way that this is the case, Jesus tells us, That comes from a right heart and mind, in right relations with others, and from treating the others the way you would want to be treated. So let's bring it home. Relationships are not to be taken lightly. The commandments to love the Lord and to love our neighbors as ourselves, they're not stated here. We didn't hear that. But they're central to what Jesus is saying. Mutuality and respect come when individuals honor the neighbor as themselves. 
It's only then that right relationship can be realized. Right relationship comes from the heart with some help from the mind. We may be responsible for our own, but not by ourselves, not by ourselves. This teaching is to a community. First the disciples, the church in the future, and then the, those who listened in. There's a community that's involved in trying to live these things out. We're not supposed to do this all on our own. Right relationships with the help of Christ, the one we love and follow, and with the help of fellow Christians and fellow Christian churches, without whose help, without whose support, we have little help of growth. So let us choose life from the heart, which will take us to working on matters of the heart and mind, working on right relations and relationships, which are not always the same now as they were then, inside and out. That's the higher righteousness. Amen. And that's a wrap for this podcast of the Red-Headed Preacher for February 16th, 2020. Next week, February 23rd, we will be even closer to the beginning of Lent. That is Transfiguration Sunday. But thanks for tuning in this time for and wherever you may be as you listen, in your car, uh, at home, running errands, whatever and wherever you may be, we thank you for tuning in. We ask God's blessings on you and your loved ones, and we look forward in hope of you tuning in again next Sunday. Thanks again for listening, and again, God bless you. Have a good week. Bye.